Welcome to Alan Hudson's Maverick Tales. Sit back and enjoy some of these stories from one of the game's greatest players. You went to Stoke without Maureen, as you've alluded to earlier. At what stage did Maureen join you in the potteries? I can't remember. So <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying myself so much. Um, yeah, I moved in a new, I moved in a new house, and uh, my friend, a great friend of mine called Bobby Air, he, he's still around. Bobby he lives just up the road. I, mean, I don't see him much, but I love him to death. He he come up. Uh, I bought a new stereo from High Street Kensington, and he he come up um, with me to Stoke, and funny enough, we put, uh, took two young ladies up. With we went into the pub on the way, and, and they come and stay with us for two or three days. So that's how I moved into my new home with two strange ladies. <laughs> you know, while Maureen was back here, uh, because she 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 didn't want to leave the West End and go to somewhere like Stoke on Trent that was below her. You know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I would live with, uh, Sir and Dame Judith for a little while and, uh, I enjoyed my stay with them. I must say, um, Judith first was fantastic for me. She was great. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of Judith. It, you know, I, she looked after me as if, 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 if I was a, a son, really, yeah. although, you know, she's not that old, mm-hmm. uh, Dame. Um, yeah, it, it was it was so easy to settle in there. And I, I think the life suited me. You know, there was no no binoculars on me. There was no Fleet Street. Yeah. You know, no wonder he no wonder he's having a nightmare. He's in the pub again. You know, and all that it was none. There was none of that. You know, uh, the people of Stoke on Trent expected you to be in the pub. If you didn't go in the pub, they would wonder why. You know, that they they were that they're that way. They still are now. You know. I go was up there three weeks ago, and you know it's just a joy when you walk in, and and they they expected you to be around the place and everything else. Where in Chelsea, you know you you had to every time someone looked at a pub in a pub in Chelsea or in London anywhere, you wonder if they you know were were an informant or something, you know, or part of a, a conspiracy. It's a, yeah, so it it was a dream move really. In, in many ways, and uh, it it was too good to be true, and I suppose that's why why it all went wrong. That freak gust of wind, you know, that someone someone up there said he's enjoying himself too much here. We got we got to stop this. Serbian media and an amazing, other an amazing story. Uh, this is true. Two days ago, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who used to have a local bar in Fulham. He's a very well respected. Uh, uh, He's a car de- he's an um, antique car dealer, very wealthy man. His name is Bobby Bentley. He won't mind me mentioning his name on air. He, he's been very, very successful. And he says, Al, I haven't spoken to him for quite a while. We moved out in Hampshire away. And, and he said, Al, he says, something's just weird really happened. I went, what? He said, I've just had a, a fella in my car showroom wanting to buy this beautiful car from me. And he said, he's from Stoke-on-Trent. So I went, oh, really? I said, good people. He went, oh, good people. He said, he loves you. He said, he's a he's Stoke City fan. He said, my hero is Alan Hudson. He said, well, he says, um, he said, he's a, he's a very, very good friend of mine. He said, oh, good, give him my regards. And he said, let me tell you a story about him. So he said, I'm, in, I'm at home one night, he said, with my wife, and there's a knock on the door. 
He says, Nisalan. He said, and he's covered in blood. Blimey. And and he said, are you Stoke City supporters? So they said, yes. We're, we're, he said, well, can you do me a favour? One, can you call the AA? And two, can you call me a cab? So a cab got there. I jumped in a cab and went home. They called the AA to pull my mini out of another ditch right down the road from them. This one weren't on top of the... Uh, roundabout this was another case <laughs> <laughs> and this fella walked into his showroom and told him the story he would he said i would laugh and he said i can just imagine it i said well i got back to my home in barlison uh and there's the police car outside my house and i had to go around the back door and i didn't wait till they're gone so i got crept in the back door and my missus went well they they, they found the car in the ditch but they, they can't they've had the police dogs looking over because i hit a, uh, another 10 yards to left for i hit the brick wall and not the bush <laughs> and they they sent the police dogs in the, over the back where there was a big like a big park over the back they've had the police dogs out and they had the, they said they found the car but there's no body <laughs> <laughs> i'd say well i've been here in the garden for half an hour waiting for them to go i've been watching you talk to them through the window so uh, oh dear god Oh, mate. So it's ironical that I, you know, I, I was going to pull you on that one. It's a, not I'm a bad driver. I'm a bad, uh, what do you call it? What do they call you when you cross the road? You're a... A liability. <laughs> a liability, yeah. A media. It was, uh, in fact, I was talking to Paul today and I was, I don't, I was just been reading his book, Paul Merson. Okay. And uh, and he he tells the story in his book. I knew this. I know the story. You might have heard the story. But um, while he was playing for Portsmouth, um, he said to Harry one day, "Look, he said, Harry, he says, uh, I'm, I'm a little. I feel a little bit tired. He says, uh, I think I need a break. So uh, he said, Well, he said, you're only coming in three days a week anyway, because he, was, he I think he just left Villa or something, hadn't he? And he come come." He said, well, you're only doing three days a week. You're coming down. He said, well, he said, but Harry, he said, I, I, I'm just feel, feel a little bit tired. He said, well, go on. He said, have two weeks off. He says, uh, he said, well, I've been gambling too much. He says, so I'm going to go book myself into the Priory to the uh, Gambling Anonymous. He said, well, you go and do that. Well done. He says, that's good. He said, and when you come back, I want you spot on. But do some training when you're at the Priory. Just do a bit of jogging and tick over. Anyway, he says, I've I've gone, and he said, I've gone home. He said, to the missus, pack your bags, we're going to Barbados. <laughs> so he says, um, we're sitting on the beach in Barbados. He says, this fella comes by, and he says, uh, Paul, how are you? He says, yeah, I'm good. He says, uh, oh, you enjoyed yourself? He said, yeah, lovely. He said, I've got a nice glass of wine there, a bottle of wine. He says, I'll join you. He said, yeah, sit down, have a drink. He said, we sat there, we had an hour together. And he said, that's good. He says, and as he left, he went, oh, by the way, he said, I'm good friends with Harry. <laughs> so Merson said, I thought to himself, he went, oh, my God, what's going on now? He's going to tell Harry. I'm supposed to be in the Priory. So um, he said, I'll get back. And uh, I, I found out that this fella had phoned Harry. Yeah. And Harry says, uh, I've just seen one of your players. And he went, well, who would that be? He said, Paul Merson, he says, oh, don't tell me you got an addiction as well. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, he said he's in a clinic. He's, he's addicted to gambling and drinking and everything. else. will be of addiction. He said, you got it. What addiction you got? He said, no. He said, oh, I'm in Barbados. <laughs> he said, I'm just I'm sitting with him on the beach. 
<laughs> anyway, no. So anyway, Merson gets back and uh, he's uh, and he's expecting I'm, I'm expecting a right bollock him to marry and uh, he said I got home and now he never said a word. He said he, he just he, he didn't say a word to me. He said he knew that I had to perform. And, I, and he said he never, ever brought the subject up. But, and for me, that's great management. Yes. You know, if that had been me at Arsenal with Terry Neal, he would have, it would have been all over the papers. It would have been all over there because he wanted to be the big I am. But Harry played it shrewdly and he went, no, I won't mention it because he knows he owes me one. Steve Highway, Ray Kennedy and Terry McDermott. That was the Liverpool team. And as yeah. you said... Oh, great team. But as you said, Al, you were struggling because of the injury previously. Tony watered the pitch. What happened that day when you got to the Victoria ground? Because you didn't think that you were playing and you told Tony that you wasn't fit enough to play. I told Tony on on the train coming back from London. We just played it um, Highbury. We drew two all and... uh, or one, or we play. I think we played two, two, two at West Ham the day yeah. before. We played three games in four games, yeah, four days on very bad pitches, and my ankle couldn't take the uh, the hard pitches and stuff like that. And I, I, I was just, it, I wouldn't say I was in pain with my ankle. I just knew it. If I'd have played on the Monday, it it, it would have just done more damage. There was, it was untreatable, and because I'd been playing all the time. The doctors it spoke weren't that good. I mean, our doctor was a gynecologist, so that just tells you about yeah. you know what he knew about ankles and knees. Um, and and then I, I when confronting Tony, I said, "Look, Tony, I said um, I spoke to him like I spoke to my dad and my be- or my best friend. I said, look, I, I think Monday's going to be out for me. It's heartbreaking, but." You know, it, it's really a, a today they call it as was it two points a win then? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, today they call it a six-pointer, but in them days, I mean, it was a difference between us going on and winning the league or Liverpool going on to win it, really, because we, I, I, I truly believe when you mention our team, read our team out, and then you read the Liverpool team out, you wouldn't think that we could actually win the league. It was They had so many big-name players yep. uh, and internationals or whatever. It just goes to show... Um, after doing a show with Dennis Mortimer, who you, who you put me on to the other day, that they, they, they won the European Cup with no internationals in their team. Um, but on the, I remember we had he, Tony's words for me were, "Look, when we get back, go into the hotel opposite, which we always did, the North Stars, right opposite the station, and we'll have a few." He said, "We'll have a couple of drinks and we'll, we'll talk it over." So him and I got into the uh, discussion, and he said, "Look." Please do me one favour. He never used to ask me to do anything. And he said, look, when we when this bar closes, please go home. Don't go to a nightclub standing about on your ankle. Don't don't go out tomorrow, Sunday, and have a drink down your local. Stay in and prepare for the game on Monday because I've, I've got a funny feeling we're going to have some rain and I think the, 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 I think the ground will be all right for you. Anyway, I, know, I knew what he was on about because it would be... Before that, he told me stories about how he used to talk to Stanley Matthews into playing when he wasn't fit. But Stanley was 50. I was was 24. Um, Anyway, I I woke up on the Sunday and I went down. I looked outside and it was, we still had the drought on. Um, 
I knew that we had no rain and on the Monday I woke up for the game knowing I wasn't playing because we still had no rain. <clears throat> I got dressed, I, I, I prepared just as if I was playing but I, knowing I wasn't which was even the more heartbreaking and got in my car, drove down the A34 and all, all the way thinking, you know, how am I going to sit through this match? That's all over my mind. I'm going to have to leave. If, if Liverpool go one now up, I'm, I'm just going to have to leave, get in my car and come home. Uh, because it was that, it was that vital a match. And uh, I got to the, uh, the as you, as at Stoke City, there was used to be, we used to get, there was no dress code. There was no, Tony did things so differently. There was no team meetings before the game. There was nothing. You just turned up by quarter past two for a three o'clock kickoff and get on with it. And I got there about 10 past two, as usual, signed the autographs outside the ground, only a handful of people, and uh, and walked through, re- really despondent, and uh, walked in straight into the dressing room, which uh, it was a very tiny corridor. The Stoke City ground was very small, and I walked in there, and I see my boots there sparkling and my shirt hanging up and a couple of other players. I did, but I was quite ignorant about who was in the dressing room and I just turned around and thought I'd walk in to see Tony and say to him, like, you tried this with Sir Stan, it might have worked with Stan, but it's not going to work with me because I'm not going to, I'm not going to play against Liverpool, play badly and we get beat because of my ankle, you, you know, it was that bad and uh, I got towards his door and as I got towards his door, I, I, something kind of clicked in my mind and I, I turned back and I walked down the tunnel, and as I walked down the tunnel, three or four of the Liverpool players were coming up with coming up with mud on their shoes, and and they said, to, I can remember someone, I don't know, if it was Clements or one of one of them said to me, uh, they called me Huddy. They went, Huddy, what's going on? We only live along the road. We it took us forty five minutes to get here. It's Easter Easter Monday, and uh, we haven't had rain for. It's a, it's a drought. We haven't had rain for weeks. And I just turned around and said, look, what you don't understand, the potteries is a strange. We've got our own weather. We've got our own drizzle. We've got our own weather up here. I, I said, I, I haven't even been on the pitch. I was just going to have a look. And I'm delighted to say that you're, you know, you're, you've got mud on them. And I turned around, walked away and walked into Tony's office. And he just picked his head up from what he was doing and, he didn't show any emotion, nothing, which was incredible. It was like it was like a movie scene, and he just said to me, "How many?" So I said, um, "Well, they're on their way, uh, Tone." I said, uh, "You better give me fourteen. So he gave me fourteen complimentary tickets, as he always did. He knew my all my family and friends coming up from London every every home game, every away game. He gave me my tickets, and I just walked out, and he never said nothing. <laughs> there was no mention of the pit. There was no mention of me playing or not playing. He was like, you know, he was the opposite of Clouseau, you know. Yeah. He was so, so smart. And I just walked in, and I was – I went from zero to uh, – off the scale. I was just in heaven, you know, because I played well in London, them two matches. We, we played well. We were playing well as a team. And I was sure we could beat Liverpool if I played. And uh, I just got ready for the game, warmed up. And it, the, my adrenaline, he just, the adrenaline was in, got me through it. And uh, the pitch was heavy. 
And I remember at one stage we were one nil up, and the ball was running towards the touchline and towards the director's box where Tony was. And my family used to sit there. And I remember nutmegging Tommy Smith along the way. Tommy came in with a sliding tackle to get me. Yeah. He went not to not to injure me, but to get me to 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 stop me and I just flicked it through his legs as he went down and, and ran away the other side and, uh, and my uncle had this habit of whistling and uh, I heard my uncle's whistle of approval you know and it, and it was and it, it there was absolutely nothing that I, you know when the roof blew off the, the roof had to blow off that day to, to stop us winning yeah. we, we, we were absolutely superb and I'm not just talking I mean my performance was the best of my life but I'm sure other players enjoyed my performance. But every man, every man. I mean, to beat that Liverpool team without the names you mentioned, with young Danny Bowers left back, Danny had only played a handful of games. He, he had a great potential. If the roof hadn't blown off, he would have been our, our, our next left back. Eric Skills, nobody knew how old he was. He didn't have a passport. Um, he was, and Alan Dodd obviously was my favourite centre half of all time. He's the best centre half I've ever played with, and and like Greenoff, uncapped. Um, yeah, so it was a, it was an incredible. And when Shankly came in the dressing room, it, it, I just couldn't wait because he 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 spoke to me in front of several players in the dressing room that you know uh, you might say weren't weren't fans of mine. You yeah. know, I mean, what he did say is. I didn't think I'd ever see a performance that surpasses Peter Doherty, but you just did it, son. I mean, that was one of the greatest performances that Bill Shankly had seen. SRB Media. Well, you know, they they, they always point out the one game of, for England uh, against Hungary at Wembley and uh, when Puskas tore us mm-hmm. apart, uh, not, not single-handedly, because they were a fantastic nation. Uh, and they said we, you know, we went back to the drawing board after that game. Well, we didn't make a very good job of going back to the drawing board. That the people that went back to the drawing board couldn't draw. You know, it, it was as simple as that. You know, what's going on? It's uh, instead of they got they took the other route in the game rather than the route that should have been taken. That you know, I read uh, the great Len Shackleton's book, and he has exactly the same. He's like he would have been great on with me and you this morning because he'd have been saying he would have been saying exactly the same things. And there, there was a man that was as good as anyone's ever played the game. You know, I never see him play. My father see him play, but he went. You know, that's how you got to play the game. That, that that's that's he set an example for all kids to come through and play like that because that's that's what people. That's why the grounds were so full in them in the olden yeah. days just to watch people like him. You know, but nowadays, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, they say it, even managers say it now and the, the pundits say it, it's a results game. But it might be a results yeah, game. But as we, as we always say, mm. it isn't a results game. It's an entertainment. When you're paying the kind of money out you're paying week in, week out, you want to be entertained. And I don't care whether it's football. If I'm watching cricket, I've, I've gone over to watch the one day now and I love it because it's entertainment. It's watching people. It's, it's watching two out, two two great cricketers play against each other and out try and outdo one another. A great bowler against a great batsman. That's that's great entertainment. It's not. It was results go out the window. All right, they work it out how many runs they want, but then they go for it. It's mm. it, it, it's it's you know 
I wouldn't pay out money to go and watch Des O'Connor, you know, but I would Frank Sinatra. Yeah. You know, and that is that is, our standards in this country are poor. There's no doubt about it. You when you got when you're watching a lead up to a game and you're watching about you Jordan Henderson and his father and all this, you know, yeah. with the greatest respect mm. to to Jordan Henderson and his family. Good luck to you and you know Hard work. My he he didn't work any f- harder than my father. Mm. They're saying he, he deserves all the success because he worked so hard at his game. He was he was hell bent on you know making it and all that. Well, my my father had a harder life than him, mm. but he didn't get he didn't get picked for England because he he worked twenty four hours a day. You know what's going on? You know we we're looking for that. George Best, you know, what he, if he was alive today, if George Best was watching the game with me last night, he'd have gone, oh, I'm glad I never played in the World Cup. Is this what it's all about? You know, the, you know, we never seen the George Best, and yet we were talking about the greatest players on the planet, you know. Absolutely. I mean, they are not the greatest players on the planet. They, they, they might be a World Cup, but it's not the world's best players by a long chalk. No. You know, that's why I love the cricket, because the cricket do bring the best players in the world out. You also had a great time um, in Tampa. I'm still standing. Is a song that reminds you of those days at the end of the season. So you take up the story. You've just beaten Wolverhampton Wanderers four 0 You've stayed up. What happened next? Well, like it, like it any other club you've been at. I mean, uh, and I was very fortunate, even in Seattle. I mean, we we went on a pre-season tour in Seattle. We went to Santa Anita. I mean, it was in. Uh, uh, right up, right down on 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 the beachfront, and it was incredible. Santa Monica, you know, we always at the end of every season you'd have a tour. It was that's wherever you went, and and we got out of trouble on the Monday morning. I went in and see, knocked on the manager's door, and I said, "Where are we going on tour?" And he says, "We're not going anywhere." He said, "We've had no money." I said, well, you can't do this to the players. I said, do you realise what we've just done? I said, you know, you'd have been in the second division if we hadn't have done this. I said, we, and everybody's put their shift in. Everybody's been brilliant. You know, the whole, you know, from the team spirit that we built. And and he said, no, I'm afraid we're not going anywhere. So I, I put in a call to my friend in, who I knew in Tampa Bay because uh, I had a home, I had a small home over there, a small townhouse over, which I bought while I was in Seattle. And, and my friend, I said, look, see if you can fix up a game against the Rowdies and Tampa Bay Rowdies. And Rodney Marshall, I think, was maybe just a little bit involved with them still. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, all that, all we need is them to pay our fare and our flights and we'll give you a game. And, and they agreed to it. And I went back into the uh, to Bill Asprey again and told him. And even now he became our manager again. <laughs> Uh, so I said, oh, I, I said, I haven't picked you to become a manager, but we could, we had to have him coming because we were going to Stoke City. So uh, my best mate, Tony Davis at the time, who, who never missed a game and he was my mate and stayed with me in Seattle, this, that and the other. And I said, well, part of the deal was that Tony comes as our physio. So we had Tony as a physio. So it was a, it was a party from the moment the uh, plane doors closing the, uh, in, in London to to when to they close when we left I left them at the airport on the way back because I stayed over there but uh, as I put in my think we stayed in a hotel called the, the Hall of Fame and uh, the lads got it changed to the Hall of Shame 
such such of the shenanigans that went on there it was unbelievable week. I don't think they were ready. Tampa Bay was wasn't ready for the the boys from the Potteries. You know the the young lads especially. So you could argue that they were called Tampa Bay, and you put the rowdies in it. Well, it, it wasn't. This, it wasn't the old, older older ones. It was it was the, the younger ones, the Chris Maskeries and the, uh, yeah. the Ian Painters, and uh, you know we have three or four kids, and you know who, who were a great part of our squad, and they they just couldn't couldn't believe it. They was in heaven over there, and I took them to all the best places in Clearwater to the best. Uh, restaurants and bars and all this, and they were just in heaven. It was uh, it is a great, it is a great part of the world. Uh, to think that on you know on the after the game on Saturday on Sunday we weren't going anywhere, and then we are. Yeah. Two weeks later, we're in Tampa Bay, so it was it was all all ended well, you know. And what goes on tour stays on tour. Did any of them want to stay with you for the extra three weeks, Elord? Were they forced to go back? Well, no, we we only had the week because of the one game. But they, I'm sure, had it been a month, nobody yeah. would have argued. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, they, they, I, I mean, me and my friend who stayed over there, you know, we went to the airport to see him off, and it was, you know, there was tears and everything, you know, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. No, they had a, they had a one, and they deserved it. I mean, what the, what they didn't do. I mean, people will say, well, you, you was a saviour. I, I was a saviour in the dressing room. As I say, I went in, I had to lift a dark cloud. But yeah. on the field, you know, all over the field, you know, the goalkeeper, Peter Fox, was in incredible formal season. I would say he saved them more than anybody on the field. Uh, Sammy Dunny's part up front, and Brendan Dunny's part at the back, and he would come up and score. He's got vital goals, and, uh, you know, he could play centre forward and centre half. Mm. Uh, George Berry was loved there. So it'll go kind of come together you kind of brought them all together and uh we used to go out before we went to Tampa. we would just go around stoke raising money for for the tour for the spending money because the club had no money but it was just an excuse to go out and have a good time but uh you know it, it, it was a special that that's why that's why i chose 1984 because i don't think we could do a series without talking about and i'm sure if you if if you used to go around stoke on trent and ask people about that period it was it was a it was a memorable time. It certainly was. Uh, it will live in the memory banks forever in the potteries. The return and of Tampa. the temper, <laughs> the return of the prodigal. SRB Media. But you introduced us to um, Reg the T Boy as well, didn't you? In 1969. Well, I, in, I introduced him to his music, but I was, I was again Osgood was he was not very uh, music in. in uh, Orientated. He, he, he was, uh, as I say, he knew everything about everything, but he didn't really know too much about much. Um, and I just said to him one day, because I was his roommate at, at that young age, and uh, I said, "Mate, you got to get, you got to get this album of this new singer called Elton John." So anyway, it, it, it kind of went over his head, and we're sitting there one night. We played at Everton, and we're in Merseyside, and we had dinner, and we went to bed. And uh, as soon as we got in bed, just switched the telly on, and who's who's there but Elton? And I said, "Oh, you ain't gonna believe it." I said, "This is the fellow I'm telling you about. You listen to his voice." He said, "That's not Elton Johnny. So that's Reggie." So I said, "What do you mean this way?" He said, "Yeah, he works at he's a T boy down the recording studio where Ron Harris, his wife, works." 
and they we they used to go up there and uh, visit Ron's wife just to have a look round and Venables, George Graham, all that little team, you know. And uh, Reggie was a tea boy and Venables uh, being the, the white boy that he was at that time and still is, said, you know, sent him out to get some tea and sandwiches this particular day and kind of ordered him. Uh, and then years later when Reggie became Elton, uh, and was big time. Met him at a party one night, and was in the second I introduced you to him, he said, "Ready, so we've already met." And he says, "And you can go over there and get me some champagne." So, which was a nice touch. So he he'd become Elton, and I mean, he, I, I love Elton John, and I just love the just love the way he is, and, and not only his music, where he where where he's come from, his background, everything, and how how he approaches everything. And I, on this show the other night, he just loves helping other people to improve their music and he loves working with them. I, I, I think, you know, as a footballer, I, I was the same with kids playing. I used to help kids after training or whatever, just trying to improve them and he's the same in music terms. And to listen to the rest of this podcast, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. Thank you.